Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical, uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Well, let's get this show on the road, JP. Why the hell not, Johnny? How have always... you been, anyway? Oh, I'm not meant to ask you that. No, you're supposed to ask me that on the show. You're far enough away. Well, you're far enough away. You said that on the table. Put your beer there. Not that you're having a beer. Well, no, of course I'm not. But bring, throw your voice, remember. And you... Where would you like me to throw it? <laughs> right into the microphone of... Wait, that's your turn to start tonight, is it? All right, then. 109. Indubitably, change hands. Voice, um, voice, please. Voice, please. Voice, please. Voice, please. Voice, please. G'day, viewers. <laughs> Don't preempt me if you want me to start. <laughs> G'day, viewers, and welcome to Radio Hot Lap, episode 109. That zany podcast that takes a light-hearted look at the world of motorsport, national and international, barbecues, and technology and gadgets, and lots of gadgets. Lots of gadgets. Lots and lots of gadgets. Well, there's not that much gadget stuff this week, but there's a few interesting things. So, uh, how are you, Johnny? Wait, um, I'd like to say never better, but I can't say I actually am. Right, but we'll get into that maybe a little later. Okay, then. Well, do we... Um, oh, I've got a few little uh, little snacky-poos here for you this yeah, evening. What's, what, what's this? What have we got? Mate, uh, these are kimchi dumplings. Kimchi. Kimchi, which is a, a very uh, common uh, vegetable dish that the Chinese make. It's um, not, it's not, doesn't represent one particular vegetable, but sometimes oh. it's spinach, sometimes it's uh, that's a hot, uh, that's light soy there with um, green chilli and red chilli in it. What do you think mm. of that? That's not bad actually. Yeah, it's all vegetable. It's uh, good with the soy. It should be. It's all about soy. Double dipping. <laughs> you can double dip. Mm. Mm. Quite tasty. So how do you cook them? I steamed them in the um, arama, the steaming arama. Steamy, steamy arama. Just steamed them up. Kimchi dumplings. Yeah. Well, there you and go. They're cheap, cheap as. You, you find yeah. them in any of those uh, Chinese supply shops that are usually around Asian markets. And yep. Mm. Well, you buy them in a packet or they make them fresh each day mm. or what's the story? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Vietnamese prawns that are flown in. <laughs> V- v- Vietnamese or whatever they call them these days. Um, it, I'm not. I must admit, I'm not the greatest on the uh, on the outside, but um, the inside's so, yeah, yeah, inside pretty tasty. good, and it's uh, yeah, mm. it saves money later. So when we go for Chinese, we've already had entree. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Does that we, mean we? Are we, we going, are we going for Chinese? I don't know. Oh, well, well, it's been an interesting. Oh, excuse me, viewers. We haven't uh, been uh, talking to you lately, viewers, because uh, we've been... Um, on holidays. And busy. And uh, there's been things going on, and I suppose there was a bit of a gap there. There was a bit of a nothingness between the um, uh, the Malaysian race, is it? The, the yep. After Australia, the Malaysian race? Did we yep, the Malaysian race, China? and then we went, no, we China, we haven't looked after China. I'll and just we steal haven't. my chopsticks, that's fine. What? 
steal my chopsticks. I, did, I stole your chopsticks. Yeah, you just picked mine up. Get real. Get out of here. <laughs> anyway, so oh, what have you got to drink? Interesting. Yeah, what have you got to drink? You got nothing. I'm on the way. You left it in the kitchen. Actually, I'm not. Viewers, I'm trying some organic red wine tonight, a Merlot, and I'll tell you a bit more about it yeah. in a moment once he's actually got it because he's left it in the kitchen. Viewers, I'm here to tell you. So I don't know what sort of organic um, Merlot it is. I'm just going to eat some more of this while, uh, while you're getting that. We won't be really touching too much on Formula One other than what we, 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 we're we going to be talking about. Well, you know, little bits that we know about it. Because yeah. uh, the Fogues will be joining later right. for the Fogues report. Uh-huh. Straight from uh, the Fogues. The head office of AA. Paul McCall. But have we not got another scoop now? What is that? Well, and we've got other stuff from the head office of somewhere else. We do, but we can't mention that. Right. At this point. Okay. They'll be scooping later for right. fear of retribution from the previous head officers scooping. Right. Okay. So uh, we better not go uh, on to that then. Yeah. So will we mention, uh, even though Fogues is going to touch on the Grand Prix, will we mention what a great race Bahrain was? Because mm. I thought it really was. And incidentally, 1HD, fantastic. Did you watch it? Because yes, I, did. I did. And uh, it was on relatively early actually. The, um, the pre-race coverage started, I think, at 8.30 local time. Um, and it finished, I got to bed about 20 past 11, somewhere around there. So um, it wasn't, you know, like in the old days, that would have been a bloody get to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning job. So, uh, you know, 1HD is doing, doing a wonderful job there, I think. Isn't that good? Because it's a der derivative of Channel 10, and, and mm. it's just 100% sports channel. I really just, unless, you know, the first, all the races this year, mm. I've been able to watch it normal times. Exactly, and NASCAR, that's, that was good too. And it was simply a case of, uh, that uh, <clears throat> I had uh, some family commitments that uh, didn't allow me to, to watch that the other night, but um, well, you there have, you go. You had family commitments in Sydney. Yeah, an organic, so what have you got? Organic Vinerals Australia, a certified organic wine, and I was thinking to myself, well, why not drink organic wine in this bottle? at uh, under $15. It's that organic glass. 2005 uh, Merlot uh, from uh, South Australia <clears throat> is actually pretty good, JP. Mm. Okay, it looks all right. It smells all right. Have a little Merlot's sip. Merlot's never got Have a little sip. Nose, Tell me what you think. Mm, that's quite pleasant, actually. In fact, it's got a reasonable amount on the palate for, uh, for a Merlot. You, you, and for an organic, mm. you sort of feel like an organic Think, you think to yourself initially, it's going to be like a light beer, you know, mm, lacking not, in taste. Not at all. It's very mm. nice. But uh, you don't know how much of it is uh, organic. And uh, but what you do know, there's no 220 added. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> it must be organic 220. <laughs> must be organic 220. Okay, you're on, mate. Bahrain. Um, so I'm drinking um, uh, Cooper's... Uh, what am I drinking? Cooper's Lager, thank you. So, yeah, Bahrain, um, very good. Another win to Button. And I have to say, the first um, the first few laps was... Uh, he just went for it and, and went out there and uh, knocked off um, the pole sitters and everyone else. Look, and, and I, more importantly, I think, that uh, than, than Button actually having won the event, 
uh, with, uh, in the, the, I suppose now what we would say, the leading Braun GP car, mm-hmm. with Rubens Barrichello in the second, is uh, Toyota is to be congratulated by uh, Yano Trulli uh, and uh, Timo Glock uh, taking uh, pole and, uh, and the second position, second. the front yep. row respectively. That is an unbelievably great result for Toyota because if ever they need this sort of um, success, now is the moment. They're, they'll be under question. And that's uh, that, that. That's really great, isn't it? You know, they, it is. Uh, uh, I think they did exceptionally well to do that. Um, the big thing, that, well, one of the interesting things, anyway, was the fact that um, have another blob, mate. Um, was that uh, Timo Glock uh, then zapped away? But he was the lightest car on the grid. Um, however, um, it was quicker off the line as well. But if you look into the uh, the stats, um, they reckon that uh, there was only one one lap between the two of them when they uh, when they refueled. Um, so you have to wonder at the at the strategy there, um, because uh, <laughs> what are you trying to say? Oh, man, are you trying? You've you had know, a big day, haven't you? Mate? I just had one of those bloody mental blanks there. Anyway, truly was heavy on fuel but quite a considerable amount heavier but yet there was only one lap between them in terms of refueling i would have thought that truly would have stayed out a lot longer before he went for a refuel nevertheless the other significant thing on the weekend was that ferrari finally scored some points rackenham got three points at last now interestingly when i was talking about the one hd coverage in their pre-race blurb they actually had a, um, a poll on the uh, show. I don't know it was an SMS poll or a, a phone-in, whatever. And it was a yes or no. Um, have Ferrari lost their way? Um, and are they ever going to you know, score any points again? Type of uh, question. And 67% of the audience that responded said that yes, they have lost their way. So I thought that was an interesting start. But then they came back and actually got some points. So maybe they haven't lost their way at all. It's just been a very, very slow start for them. It's interesting that uh, when the diffuser issue came to uh, the court in Paris uh, with the FIA, um, deciding that it actually was not illegal, um, and uh, really basically Ross Braun had been clever enough to either find a loophole in the regulations or just design a particularly clever piece of engineering, that the Ferrari lawyer was quick to make make him sound like he was a complete loser. And they they have very small memories, don't they? I mean, how much energy that Ross Braun put in with Ferrari in the Michael Schumacher era, taking them to so many victories. So they do, and they probably forget too that when uh, Ross Braun was with Ferrari, his interpretation of those very same rules probably led to Ferrari doing a lot better than they may have done otherwise. So it's a bit sour grapes, I feel, the way oh, they carried on. Absolutely. And, and I mean, love the Italian culture, love the people, but it does sound, uh, you know, when things don't go their way, um, you know, it, it's hard to distinguish between who's the who's the, um, who's the nastiest bloke in the, in the paddock. Is it, <laughs> is it Ferrari or just uh, Flavio Briatore? Well, or... Because uh, he, he is um, he's quick to... To point out, and in fact, to say that Button was slower than a bus driver on a London street, or <laughs> yeah, the, the equivalent thereof. Yeah, I know. How in fact, you? Flavio just doesn't do himself every time. But then, isn't this what it's all about? I mean, if there wasn't these sorts of characters around, 
well, it wouldn't be anywhere near as interesting as it's suddenly become this year. That's the beaut thing about Ross Braun going back with a different team and everything else. Um, and, you know, and the Whitmarsh thing with McLaren and blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, Formula One's got interesting again, and we're all interested, because which is great. It's the, great for the sport. Absolutely, and the underdog has come forward. And, uh, you know, it's a bit like, um, you know, um, you know uh, Jamie Wincop's on top of his game in V8 yep. supercars, as, as Ross Braun is, uh, would have to be the most highly sought-after engineer in, uh, in car racing or motorsport in the world. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's just wonderful news. I would only hope that, you could ba- that this, this could be backed up uh, to win the championship this year and perhaps the following year because uh, oh, no doubt they won't be resting on their laurels and uh, the clever people surrounded, uh, surrounding Ross Braun and, and what was previously Honda, which no doubt those who had previously thought about purchasing it, yes. including David Richards and Tony Texera, um, would um, be kicking themselves somewhat. However, uh, David Richards did say that I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities like this uh, to be coming up in the future. Because of the new rules. Yeah. And you probably saw a copy of the, uh, of the uh, internal communications from uh, ProDrive. Yes, I did. And, uh, yeah, uh, 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 discussing the opportunities for Formula One, but quite rightly so, to people like and David Richards that can... David Richards' press, press conference on, for, on that forcing, matter. Forcing, uh, forcing everyone to become financially responsible. Now, a couple of other interesting things before we get Fogs on the phone about Formula One. Well, Fogs, we're not going to Fogs. Is, is curse a curse? A curse a curse? Is it a curse curse? A curse curse. Because the curse cars <laughs> couldn't, again, get to the front. So, but having said that, of course, Braun's not running curse this year. Are they going to be, therefore, disadvantaged next year if curse is retained? Or will Kurz now get canned because apparently all the manufacturers of, uh, and all the teams have put their hands up and said, no, no, it's a load of bollocks, cost containment, rah, 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 we don't want it next year. So I think that's going to be very, very interesting to watch. So we wait and see. Kurz has definitely been a, um, a almost, you know, like a, a shot in the arm for some teams because of their ability to be able to deploy it and yep. to keep others behind. So in, in some respect, it, it hasn't really promoted overtaking. It's, it's, <laughs> it's created a situation it's created where people can't, 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 can't get past. And in fact, at a, at a, at a, a dinner at, uh, in Bahrain, uh, BMW motorsport boss um, Mario Tyson was, um, was, uh, was quizzed why the uh, well-known um, the journalist next to him had fallen asleep. And the question was, have you been talking to him about Kurz again? <laughs> Which he probably had. So, you know, and like Williams are just, well, they're so well, way down. McLaren looked like they're pu- pulling back. Obviously, um, there was a, not, a, not too bad a result uh, on the weekend for, uh, for McLaren. And interestingly, talking about Kurz, um, <coughs> Excuse me. Chip went down the wrong way. Oh, it's a cheese and onion. It is. Um, <laughs> you love your cheese and onion. I do has love it been my continental cheese and day? chips. Yeah, it hasn't been continental day. <laughs> Viewers, right. uh, in the previous uh, life of, uh, of JP and Hardy, there was a, a distinct rigmarole and, uh, rigmarole. and strategy about <laughs> lunches. There'd be one out per week, but it would be pie day or it'd be hamburger day or it would be 
salad day. They're and definitely then, in a in a previous life, viewers, in because a previous hot life. dogs and then hot dogs. That's right. And then there, but always the cheese and onion would be chips. Smiths, of course, of would course. be hanging around with the continental sausage. Yes, yeah, you have to. Don't have speak chips. of the sausage, rusty sausage. Where is now the sausage? Is, the sausage is right over there. And boy, is that sausage good after those four injections? She is the happiest dog in the land again. <laughs> Absolutely, viewers, that happy dog is a sausage. She was definitely bounding about today when I saw her. Very happy and looking for things in the bush. Right off. As dogs do. Indubitably. So, yeah, so Lewis Hamilton, I think, um, had a good, good result and certainly pulled McLaren back up again. Now, apparently, about now, I think it'd be about now. What's it now? Five to seven here, viewers. Um, Mr. CST. Mr. Whitmarsh himself is up in front of the uh, FIA's um, World Motorsport Council in, I think, Paris. Mm -hmm. um, hoping for leniency, I think is the uh, expression. So we'll wait very, very interesting tomorrow morning. Wait, wait very interesting. What is it? Interestingly. To wait with great interest until tomorrow morning when we find out what punishment McLaren were given. I, I note that he had a, um, what did he, how did he uh, term it? Um, a relate, we need to build a good relationship with the FIA. How much do you reckon so, the fine's going to be? A million? Uh, no, I don't think it'll be that much. Ten million? No. No, I reckon probably about, I don't know, 350 to 500 G's. Sterling. Sterling or Euros or whatever they're using over there now. Oh, it could be. Is it still US dollars? Who knows? No, no. Well, I think we do. I don't know. Anyway. So Formula One, yeah, good. It's been good. Back to the good old days that we haven't seen for ages. That dirty slut is all I've got to say on behalf of... Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> After driving in the uh, Melbourne Grand Prix with a car which he decides always to call by the name of a female yep. because he finds them sexy beasts, Julie was the name of the car. Julie? Well, Julie was Julie ruined and the car was replaced with Katie. Mm -hmm. Kate, in fact. Well, Kate did very good. Yeah. when it went to Malaysia mm -hmm. but then there were some updates from Red Bull which gave him the ability to win the Chinese Grand Prix he, he did. and he drove around with a steering wheel which had a little sticker on it said Kate's dirty sister <laughs> the boy's been playing again <laughs> anyway it's just sexier than the last one <laughs> That dirty slut. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, really great, though. But you can't help feeling sad for Mark Webber, the unluckiest guy. Oh in the man, he of has to be the unluckiest guy, doesn't he? Eh? Has he got bad energy levels? He must have something. Um, because I mean, if you go right back to the bloody Merck flipping at Le Mans, I mean, how unlucky did you have to be twice. to do that twice? Exactly. I mean, and, and but how lucky was Peter Dumbreck? Mm. The uh, Irishman or Scotsman, whatever he was at, at the time, and drove drives DTM or did drive DTM, whatever. I might have my facts wrong, but he did. It would flip just before, after um, at the end of Mulsanne, yep. after turning right, heading towards Indianapolis, just before the corner with no name, into a very heavily wooded area to a lot to to land where there wasn't any wood. Mm. Well.
he obviously had God was smiling at him that day. However, he will probably hold that uh, that uh, that uh, title of the, the world's most unluckiest car racer, and I just mm. hope it doesn't end in an unfortunate way. So do I. Having watched, well, he the, couldn't uh, break the hoodoo. You never know. Having watched the Mark Webber Tasmanian Challenge on TV only a uh, weekend before last, a terrible. Did you see him get run over? Difficult. I didn't see him get run over. They didn't show that. <laughs> what the heck? No, but they didn't see it. They didn't have a camera. Well, what sort of coverage was that? Well, that was only a little bit. It was an incidentalness. <laughs> but geez, what a tough, what a tough, tough course. But unbelievable scenery. JP, do you think he would have been luckier as an athlete? as a triathlete than he is as a race car driver. Because well, he, he's, 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 he's incredibly fit. He, he's, he's a very single-minded character. Hmm. Anyway, I must admit, I, I'm, I'm just not because he's an Australian, I'm starting to get more affinity towards Mark Webber. I, he's, I don't know, I just can't put my finger on it specifically. Hmm. I, I think, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, the, the tall poppy syndrome notwithstanding, um, when he got into Formula One, as he did, um, and everybody was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, he's going to be the next best thing and blah, 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 blah. And then it didn't happen. And now he's been, you know, rolling around there for quite a while. And he obviously has had bad luck. Um, maybe that just makes you a lot more sympathetic towards him. I don't know. We'll see. Bianchi has gone into the business, the Bianchi car model company yes. appears to have gone into the business of cigarette advertising. Huh? Well, where can you advertise cigarettes? You can't. But is it okay to have a full page print of a Peter Stuyvesant RX-7 from the past, mm. a Group C car that Alan Moffat, Moffat drove, yeah. Uh, in uh, up until the end of 1984 in the Australian Touring Car Championship yep. with Peter Stivers International over it as a full page print. Now, is that sending out a bad message? No, I don't think so. Well, it's history. When, yes, but it's history and it's in the it, Bianchi series, which is historical cars. Is it? It's a fine line. I think all those wallies from the ASH or whatever it is, the Australian Smoking and Health Association or whatever it's called, will definitely be going off about it. But having said that, and this is on issue uh, 1337 of Auto Action, and thanks very much to uh, the guys at Auto Action for uh, um, jetting early preview copies over to us. I thought it was interesting that on the very next page for the Bianti ad... Yep. The logo was missing from the side of the model. Well, that's because they're not allowed to uh, put that on the, uh, on, the, on the model cars. Because the model cars are deemed models and therefore can be bought by and played with by children. And then it's definitely very unofficially or very officially banned. I went out and purchased the uh, two-car set um, of the Brock uh, VK Commodores. Uh, Brock and uh, Perkins uh, winning uh, 1-2 at Bathurst and the uh, and that wasn't Bianti but although Bianti do do a model of that car um, it's the uh, car collectibles uh, one and that came again with plain cars but some very enterprising gentleman with a vinyl cutter 
um, allows you to actually purchase a set of Marlboro stickers to put on the models to make them look realistic. A little and I'm bit sure somebody will be doing the same thing for those Beantes. A little inconsistency here with the uh, with the with the with the imagery as well. Uh, an Australia logo with Moffat on the uh, rear door sill. Yep. Uh, yet on the model, Alan Moffat. Well, depends when it was taken. Absolutely. Mm. Interesting. Anyway, just a little something from me to yeah. you about okay. all that. Sounds fair to me. It's V8 supercars. V8 supercars. Hamilton. In what Jubilee. do I say? Other <laughs> than uh, looks like a, I don't think I've ever seen such high jumps. No, true. Uh, I, you would probably have to give the award to Jason Richards for the best high jump and save <laughs> and the, the worst high jump and not save to Marcus Marshall. Yeah, that sounds fair. But, uh, gee, so they reckon they, they drop those curbs down a little bit. Mm. <laughs> Have you ever seen a car no, get up to the point of just about off. rolling? Yep. No. It was amazing. But still a good race. And Wing Cup, well, what do you say? What do you say? Well, I don't want to say he's in a class of his own. As, uh, as you have heard earlier, well, as we heard earlier, but weren't able to say, viewers, Andy Prolo has uh, signed yes. for the V8 uh, supercar Enduros with Walkinshaw, unsure where he will be teamed up with. Uh, most likely, I would suggest, with uh, Paul Dumbrell, which leaves uh, a question mark over who will be with um, Mr. Bundaberg himself. Uh, David Reynolds, the pre pre previous. Well, they reckon that Shane. I, th I, I thought that Shane Price was going to be uh, David Reynolds. So there you go. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. In the number ten autobahn oh, entry, and apart from uh, Andy being in now, I noticed that we've got uh, Jim Beam of name there in Juro Squad as well. Um, Jonathan Webb's in with Warren Luff. So uh, Luffy's a good steerer. It'll be interesting to see how they go uh, in the Enduros. And apparently, um, prior to, um, what am I trying to say here? Prior to oh, this no. this week's round, um, there's going to be a 30-minute special session for enduro drivers to get a feel of the cars. What did you think of this new qualifying setup? You know, the the, the, the on again, the, off the again, three-two-one <laughs> sort of shoot down, and then the yeah. final all-in 20-minute gig. Yeah, I don't like it. Hmm. I mean, it must be terrible for the teams having to like go back from like race, race. Uh, you know, when we're talking about trying to save money, yeah. we're going to go back all the way from race spec mm. back to queue, mm. and then back to race in a very short period of time. But it was all the teams and the drivers that complained about it, so they've only got themselves to blame. They've <laughs> only got themselves to blame. Which is often the case, isn't it? Let's face it. Um, what else is interesting that been happening is that last weekend uh, was uh, a private testing uh, session for Le Mans competitors, and usually at the Bugatti circuit of Le Mans, which is the short circuit, right. not the full circuit, which means that you go up and over the, through the Dunlop S's, and then turn right and come through back from the infield. So you're not using any of the public roads. Um, 11 cars took part. 
um, on Saturday the fastest was uh, uh, the speedy Seabar operation with uh, none other than Nicholas Prost mm. at the helm. Uh, Alola B0680 Aston Martin Coupe uh, took the fastest in P1 um, with P2 uh, times being owned by Casper uh, Elgard in the Danish uh, Essex team with the Porsche Porsche Spider RS, which just seemed to have suddenly got you know mm. they, they built this beautiful car. <laughs> yeah, they did. And yeah. now there's no one wants to buy the friggin' mm. thing. Um, nobody's racing them. Yeah. No, no, because P2 is who oh, knows what's going on there. Um, and GT2, mm. obviously, and quite interestingly. Uh, one and owned by a good mate, Alan. Captain Al, Alan Simonson in yep. the hand cook, oh, cooking forget, on gas. Don't forget the hand Ferrari cook. four thirty GT two. Hand on cook. Now the, the following day, uh, it was all pretty much the same, other than uh, with with Alan also uh, with Dominic Farnbacher, because um, it is a Farnbacher run uh, run um, car. Uh, with, uh, his father Horst, uh, a very very clever individual, um, who on will be joining the team with four or more twenty four hour, um, in front of um, the Grey's Anatomy star Patrick Dempsey, who was uh, <laughs> ten seconds off the pace. Ten seconds. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, you wouldn't want to say you, you know, think he beat you in a heartbeat. Oh. oh. And Casper uh, Elgard uh, again uh, in fastest in P2, but the Pescarolo Judd um, of uh, Jean Christophe Bouillon, uh, who had a massive uh, fight against uh, Gunnar Jeanette in the JML back in 2003 on the final 20 laps of Le Mans, which really brought the crowd alive, was, uh, was absolutely wonderful. Um, a day off and then to Algarve in Portugal for further testing for the hand cooked team and that's great because I think that these tyres while initially the initially uh, initial uh, um, evaluation of the tyres were that they had a bit of drop off but they, the hand cook's been working very very hard and these cars these tyres now are working extremely well so I'm thinking that they could well be a very strong contender at Le Mans and Le Mans 24 hour is very bad for punctures. Right. So and that's what it's going to be critical. Everyone gets flats. So they're going to be the only team running on hand cooks. And that right? uh, the only team. The only team. And they're yeah. going to be thrown in GT2. Right. But not that they're running it in anywhere else. But you know, GT2 is the closest category which relates to, to the production cars. And so is this is this hand cook saying, well alright, we're gonna uh, give you guys exclusive use, rah rah rah. This is part of our testing, and then they will expand the numbers of teams using them next year. Do Who we knows? Know? Right, I we will don't. be finding out when I uh, uh, force the hand cook guys to take me to dinner for expensive <laughs> dinner on French reds and, and uh, uh, add a charcuterie uh, for my enjoyment. And uh, hopefully, I'll be able to come back with a worldwide hand cook gig. I mean, this, this is conceivable. Is now a hand cook Japanese or Malaysian? Korean. Korean, right, okay. Yep. Close. A1GP, the final round of mm. A1GP has been cancelled. Why? Swine flu in Mexico. Oh, of course, and Mexico. And it's to be held in Brands Hatch this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, fuck up, wouldn't it? Oh, sorry, yes. But it would be hard work if you <laughs> shipped your car. It would. 
you know, you, you sort of think, you know, they, they, they're, not, they're not suddenly there. You go, mm. oh, okay, look, can, can you be in London? You know, like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a bit hard, really, isn't it? Gee. It is mm. a bit hard. But it's not as hard as some of the things that have been going on lately. And, uh, mate, I have to tell you, and I'm going to tell the viewers from, from my heart, that uh, things have been tough in, in my personal world. Your personal world? Yeah. yeah. Is I'm this not, the trip to Sydney? No, it's not just the trip to Sydney. But uh, we have to say, uh, viewers, that Miss Briss Vegas is no longer the, uh, the mother of my gorgeous child, uh, Madison Rose, of which you will have seen on an earlier episode, as a hero image on the website, radioitmap.com, has um, <clears throat> upped and gone uh, without a trace, uh, whilst overseas had uh, people come to uh, pretty much ransack the house and take things that they wanted, and uh, has refused my name on the birth certificate. And personally, I have to say that she is just a nasty piece of work, and uh, all the people associated uh, around her uh, are very, very unkind people. Because it's uh, uncool, uh, despite perhaps uh, I'm not blameless, but it's not. Uh, it's very uncool to use small children as pawns yes. in in situations like this, and um, it's it's a very distressing time for me and. Uh, Obviously, that must be because that would be why you've mentioned it. Because you know, usually you don't sort of let go of things like that on the show. So uh, no, I, I, but I think that we know. have a you know we have a rapport with the viewers, and also it's a conversation. Remember what we always started about mm. what our show was about, or yeah. what we were about yeah. was about what we were two having blokes. a conversation about. Yeah, yeah. Two blokes having a conversation. That's right. And uh, whilst I'm not you know going to stoop to a level of of, of degrading her, uh, um, she will be able to do that well enough for herself. Uh, it's very, very uncool uh, for that um, to have been done. And uh, if those viewers would like to sort of send some condolences, well, <laughs> I'll take any positive comment I, I can get. And uh, and a final note, girls, I'm single. <laughs> now, you might think I'm a being flippant about that. I'm not. It's extremely, it's extremely uh, difficult stuff. And... Uh, 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 this was a highly premeditated uh, example of, um, of a female behaviour uh, trying to uh, just, you know, be a man-hater. Mm. So um, I'd... Uh, it gets a bit like I hope you'll all uh, support all me through this time of, of roughness, but there will be no more Miss Briz Vegas at all. Okay. Well, condolences and um, let's not dwell on it. Let's just move onwards and upwards. With a chip for Linda. A chip. As she finishes her prologue today, driving with Tony Longhurst in the Les Walton um, Evo... Evo? No, not, sorry. WRX 09 spec. You're right too. SDI Mm. um, at Target Tasmania. Now, they've done prologue today, so I don't know the results, but spoke to her extensively last Friday night, specifically on the safety of the car and yeah. how comfortable she was feeling with it because Tony Longhurst, a uh, ex-Bathurst uh, winner, 1991 yep. I believe, uh, or 89, or one of those years, in yeah, the B&H yeah. Sierra. It was. Um, you know, we just wish her well and most importantly, safety. And she's been many times top five at Targa. Yep. It's going to be very hard for them to come up and beat 
uh, the R35 I would suggest of Tony Quinn if he keeps it on the road and Tony Quinn is becoming a, such a, a, a great driver these days with his ability to be able to you know, drive the Aston Martin, Australian GT Championship, jump in and out of or, 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 or just all sorts of cars. He it, and that's just that's just wonderful, isn't it? Great yeah. to see the evolution of a non non racing car driver to become a racing car driver. And I think our sport is richer for people like Tony Quinn. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I even if Russ doesn't eat the food. It's <laughs> a chip for you. <laughs> it's not cheese and onion. <clears throat> I wouldn't touch your cheese and onion. You did so. You touched them earlier. Don't give me that nonsense. Oh, them. Viewers, I tell you, he tells porkies. So. Oh, tech time. Tech time. We're oh, going tech time, something? are we? You no, I was time? just going to say that while we were talking about um, Le Mans, which you were, yeah. um, and something that we hadn't touched on was the fact that in this month's Motor Magazine, <clears throat> for those viewers who haven't seen it, is our good friend... A, a full article, in fact, on our good friend Rob Sherrard, or your good friend Rob Sherrard. I didn't say that. Um, Sauber Mercedes. The oh, fastest no, car. I, in fact, I'm going at, at Le Mans. The fastest car to ever go down Mulsanne Strait. Yes, uh, 402 straight. kilometres an hour That's in right. 1989 before the chicanes were put in. And Absolutely. in fact, in fact put last... in the year after just for that reason. Spoke to Rob last week, yep. and um, we've got some friends down there in Tasmania. He's not doing Tiger, but uh, I'm going to be cruising down for a week with him to have a bit of a, a just a relaxo and cook a few um, shanks for him. Well, that sounds very nice. Uh, so, viewers, if in you... In Launceston, uh, early May. <clears throat> Excellent. If you, if you haven't got Motor Magazine this month or you haven't even looked at it, grab a copy and read the article. That car is just absolutely sensational. Stunning. Stunning car and a very, very well written and uh, a, a nice article with some good, uh, good picks and everything else. And there's a little pick of Rob in there, and a nice interview with his who's his chief mechanic, um, uh, the guy with the glasses, uh, Wayne um, Park. Oh no, 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 it's a guy who works Wayne yeah. Park, but I, I, I know the name. I think I think yeah, anyway, well, nice yeah, interview yeah, with no, him too no, about no, putting no. the car on the dyno. It's a very interesting read. The car, incidentally, was not the winner that he owns, the chassis 5A, yeah. is not the winner of Le Mans 24 hour. It is the winner of the 1989 World Endurance Championship right. with uh, Klaus Ludwig and yep. uh, Jean-Louis Schlesler, who happened to take a sub in for Williams one day, only to um, come across another famous racing car driver, namely Ayrton Senna, <laughs> at a chicane. And it all came to grief. Well, there you go. I lent a book to a taxi driver. You lent a book to a taxi driver. The uh, the the. Did life you ever see it again? It. No, and he's not returned it to me. <laughs> Tech time. Tech time. Epson mm -hmm. have gone. Epson, the car print, the, the printers. Yes. Have gone. GT <clears throat> five hundred racing in Japan. Uh -huh. Well, they've got plenty of money to do that, let's face it. They have built themselves a beautiful GT500 NSX Honda race car. Yep. Out of paper. Out of paper. It is an absolutely brilliant uh, image, viewers, and I think I'll have to put a link up so you can see it because that's, uh, that, that's really uh, quite, uh, quite unique. The whole car, it's full size, but it's all made from paper and ink from the Epson company. 
How does it stay together? I don't know. Glue? Well, it doesn't. Oh, what, at speed? <laughs> no, just when it's standing still. iPhone 3.0, the beta 4, a kit was uh, lent out to uh, software developers in the last couple of days, along with uh, iTunes 8.2, and it indicates that uh, it will have some Blu-ray support that will allow the recognition of Blu-ray discs. So that's yeah, I've got some interesting good. tech stuff on that. Uh, the World 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 World, 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 World Developers Conference uh, for Apple has uh, sold out. Uh, no one wanted to go to the Microsoft uh, conference, so they've all gone to that, <laughs> which will be also in uh, June in uh, Moscone Centre, where we next to the we did Fifth Street Bar and Grill. <laughs> well, we've had a nice Street few bar and grill. buffalo wings. Oh man, there you go. That takes you back. Indicates uh, there's a few indicators that there are as a, a product <clears throat> coming out from Apple that could be called Media Pad. That is just a handheld device that larger than the iPhone and, and stuff like that. Won't have phone capabilities, but it will be about delivering music, photos, and HD quality video over Wi-Fi. So it so would suggest it has a screen. A format, a form factor, as they say in the industry. 16 by 9. 16 by 9, correct, and about 17 inches uh, in size, which will <coughs> probably have technology embedded into it to allow it to be updated to be a phone capability or whatever, and the touch screen, or volume. Or drawing, wake on me tablets. Netbook, touch, touch screen, boom, boom. With uh, the, the new net, version. The netbook they weren't going to produce. With the, <laughs> that's right. Excuse <coughs> oh, me. With uh, the new uh, operating system 10.6 almost uh, finalised uh, with uh, the, the Cedars, because um, it's uh, Alpha C4BX7 has been uh, released previously. <laughs> QuickTime X, that will mean QuickTime version 10. And Fight I remember viewers, the Gee. very first version of QuickTime being there yeah. in San Francisco, seeing a movie portrayed, one. 60 by 120 pixels on a yep. postage stamp <laughs> stuff. We were all yeah. amazed, amazed at it. Uh, with integrated ability to upload your video directly to YouTube or to Mobile Me. Um, and finally, an iPhone Lite yeah. appears to be turning up. And I would suggest an iPhone without application support. Although, having just reached a billion applications on yes, download... Yes, which they did last week. They, uh, and, and hence, that's and, why the WWDC is you know, busy as. a 13-year-old won the prize for the billionth download, and he got a $10,000 voucher that for the Apple Store. Great. A $10,000 voucher for the Apple Store, an iPod Touch, was it? I can't remember. And something else. Uh, a laptop, I think. But anyway, it was nice. Yeah. Now, they did their financials only a week or so ago, they and they did. showed about $6.9 billion revenue with a, with a, 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 a profit of about 2.15. Which, allowing like. for the GFC, was a fantastic result, <laughs> which they reckon... The GFU. ...was running on the back of iPhone and uh, iPod sales. It's a GFU, isn't it? Global financial fucker. No. <laughs> <laughs> the GF squared U. <clears throat> yeah. And World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft is now going to be running on the iPhone. Just demoed this week, so... Bloody hell. <laughs> Where do we go with that? Well, well, there'll be lots of kids on the bus, won't they? Now, getting back to your earlier comment regarding... Um, uh, Blu-ray, that was it. Blu-ray, Blu-ray. General Electric have just, apparently, announced and uh, debuted a micro holographic storage technology 
which will squeeze far more data into a standard DVD sized format because it uses 3D patterns to utilize a much air, larger area of the disk material. Mate, you never get something for nothing. <coughs> I'll tell you now, if you, you give it away, you, you're going to lose it somewhere. Just so, you know. They reckon that it's going to get, it's going to have basically the ability to hold as much data as 20 Blu-rays or 100 standard DVD. Beautifully read, JP. So, there you go. At least you are. You That's are something to look out for. Shut up, you always say that. I know. Because you weren't reading anything when you, nah, when you did your bit earlier on, were you? Nuts. I just wanted to make sure that I got Going my up on. Right, next. facts straight. But we've got to leave Faves a moment. Yeah, well, we'll leave Faves a moment. That's all right. Faves a moment. Now, while we're talking iPhone as well, dun, 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 dun. Microsoft rumoured to be working on the iPhone killer. I like the Zoom. Ah, <laughs> the iPod Jeez, fire their press department. Too little, too late. Microsoft is working on a new multimedia phone designed to compete with Apple's popular iPhone. Ra ra ra. According to a report in the Wall Street Journal. Well, I hate to say it, but uh, <laughs> hello, you missed it. Exactly. Closing the door after the horse has bolted. But apparently, it's using uh, knowledge from Danger Inc., who Microsoft purchased last year. Again, why would you purchase a company that's in that technology basically two years after the event when, when your opposition's already got a, a product out? But we'll wait and see. Do they so, are the dumbest fucks at Microsoft? Well, they must do because how, why would you waste all up. of that? And why would you t- say that it's an iPhone killer when the Zune was a real iPod killer? So, you know, they've definitely got the uh, historical... Uh, pieces in place, not. Oh, something I need to tell you. Right. Helio Castronevas. Yes, yes. Castronovas. Castronovas. The Dancing of the Stars winner of the US has been found. Not guilty? Not guilty. Of, of tax evasion. Yes. And was back in the car at Long Beach and Fantastic. will house out. After Pinsky saying he would have a third car. Ah, but who's... Oh, there's something bad going on there in the Pinsky nigger. Who's just been um, having a look at uh, NASCAR? Who? Will Power. Really? Apparently. That's the rumour. Where's the Pinsky? So there you go. And what about Marcus? Career best fourth place at bloody Talladega after all the carnage and destruction? So, okay, yes, uh, apparently there was a very large crash between Carl Edwards and uh, Brad Kozlowski they were. in the uh, Navy car who w- actually went on on the last lap to win and uh, the, uh, the something or other 499, I can't remember what it is now, but... Uh, it was all uh, a bit... And uh, seven people were uh, injured. Exactly, it was all a bit interesting. It was a big prank, if you see any of the pictures, the or if you managed to watch it on the... Um, uh, back to 1HD viewers, um, 1HD had coverage. Uh, but Marcus came from about 30, I think it was 34, somewhere around there, um, to get right up to fourth place. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, but, you know, there was attrition, there was crashes, there was this, there was that. doesn't take away the fact that to get that far up the field in the course of that race, regardless of the attrition and everything else, from where he started was a fantastic achievement. So good on him. Absolutely. Or we were just waiting for folks now. It's over to you, folks, uh, because I think uh, after the a weekend of mailing getting a nailing, 
it's time for you to tell us what's going on. All right, well, there you go, absolutely. So we'll right sign on, off, folks. viewers. We will. And uh, we'll see you. Will we do it next week? I think we will. I think we probably will because we'll have had Winton, won't we? Winton on this weekend? Is it this weekend or next week? Oh, no, it's the weekend yeah, after. No, no, no. Yeah, no Forget really. I'm lying again, viewers. All right, speak to you in a sec, folks. Okay, all right. Well, viewers, uh, JP and I have had a luxurious evening at the local Chinese uh, restaurant um, waiting for our, of course, the brand, the brand manager of Radio Hot Lap, or the new brand manager, to join us after a little bit of a uh, soiree at the Kuyong Tennis Courts. Uh, Fogarty, are you there? I am, mate. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you, mate? Well, it wasn't much of a soiree. I'll tell you, um, as a tennis player, I make a great motorsport journalist. It was a bit of a struggle out there tonight. I hadn't played for a couple of weeks, but um, good for the soul. Got the limbs working, and uh, I rushed back just to chat to you, and I'm glad to hear that you had a lovely um, evening meal up at the local Chinese where we ate during the Clipsal 500. Fine establishment, fine establishment. Yes, the uh, Fortuna Court, uh, very good. In fact, they uh, as soon as we got in the door, they um, sold us tea-smoked duck, which, um, whilst we were quite impressed because the, the, the boss man came out and said, oh, you must try this, you must try this. Um, and uh, then I said, well, what's it like? He got someone else to come and describe it as slightly crispy, but uh, unfortunately, Mr. Crispy was not there when the meal arrived, and hence, and before the entree, I might add. So, sent back, no tea duck for us. Uh, we reset our uh, preferences and went back to what we like, the uh, lovely shallot pancake, uh, dipped in uh, uh, cut chilli and soy sauce, and uh, followed by a combination of beef and chicken and ginger and shallots on a sizzling plateur. Uh, oh, stop it, mate. I'm salivating nice, already. A nice bottle of Smith & Hooper Ratten Bully Shiraz Cabernet Merlot. Wish I were there. Wish I were there. Wish you were too. Now, mate, a couple of Formula One races have been on, and uh, there's been some news from Paris today. What have you got to tell us? Well, first off, how exciting and interesting is Formula One now? It's just like the old days. I mean, anyone who'd got jaded about Formula One and how boring it had become this year, it's just come alive. We've we've had four interesting, at the very least, races, um, not each of them riveting or exciting, but the... the, the uh, permutations of the possibilities has been uh, quite fascinating and uh, it looks like Jensen Button you know is dominating but um, that dominance of the Braun GP team the reborn Honda team is diminishing all the time and it's getting very interesting and Red Bull racing are just coming on like gangbusters and you know the most interesting thing there is that you know they've got a, an entirely conventional car they don't have the uh, trick rear diffuser to enhance the aerodynamics they're not using Curves, the kinetic energy recovering system. So, in the longer term, that's actually looking very good for Mark Webber because the way they're going, you know, he's going to steal a race victory somewhere along the line this season, I'm sure. Um, you know, Sebastian Vettel is, you know, he's the new Michael Schumacher. He's the next ace of Formula One. 
he's going to be fighting it out um, if they get equal cards eventually with Fernando, Fernando Alonso for dominance. But in there somewhere, Weber is finally going to squeak a victory. So it's really exciting. It's worth staying up late at night now um, to watch the live telecast. And for the first time since I can ever remember, I actually stay awake during the whole race, which is almost unprecedented over like 20 years odd. So um, I think it's very thrilling. Um, it's great that 1HD are doing the races live, live. So you get to watch them over here on the East Coast um, with a pre-game show, as it were, from 9 o'clock onwards. And then 10 p.m., bang, you're into the racing and uh, you actually get to bed at a, a reasonable hour. It's enthralling. I mean, I'm really excited by Formula One now. But, yes, you alluded to the big, big decision in Paris today. There was a video conference meeting of the FIA's World Motorsport Council, which includes the Australian representative, Gary Connolly. Uh, they all hooked up uh, using the latest high-tech equipment, and they deliberated on basically whether um, the Ligate scandal um, from the Australian Grand Prix, where, um, well... In simple terms, a team inexplicably just didn't come clean with the fact that they ordered Lewis Hamilton to let Yano truly pass again after a bit of argy-bargy um, in a safety car period. Um, they just flat out lied and said, you know, that didn't happen. Well, all the chickens came home to roost and I found out very clearly that that happened and the case went before the World Motorsport Council today and... Uh, they were basically uh, ruling on whether McLaren, which has been in trouble before with the FIA, as we well know, um, had brought the sport into disrepute. Now, you would think that after the Spygate scandal and um, other various contretemps that the McLaren has had over recent years with the FIA, that um, they would have been goners, done like dinners. Uh, no they have received a three-race suspended ban. Um, gutless decision, I reckon. I can't put it any clearer than that. I, I, I just think that what's going on with McLaren and, and the duplicity that's been involved in recent years, they deserve to get a harsh penalty. Maybe not a ban, maybe not suspension, but certainly where it certainly hits McLaren hardest in their pocket. And I just can't believe that the World Motorsport Council has caved. Um, do you think this is uh, this has any bearing on the fact that Ron Dennis has left the organisation now to concentrate on the production of the McLaren road car brand, um, leaving Martin Whitmarsh in charge, or, or perhaps just you know perhaps some leniency in accordance with everyone trying to do the right thing with the world. Uh, um, uh, being in, in a difficult financial time. Um, uh, Hardy, don't get all warm and fuzzy on me. Come on. No, the, the price they've paid, they've gone cap in hand, they've grovel, groveled to the World Motorsport Council, apologised profusely, but the real cost of this was Ron Dennis had to step away completely from the McLaren Formula 1 team and you can dress it up, sugarcoat it however you like, but Ron Dennis's Reconfirmation recently that he was withdrawing from any active participation in the running of the McLaren Formula One team to concentrate on the wider corporate scope of McLaren, um, particularly the new uh, McLaren um, 
you know, supercar, the, the son of the McLaren F1, if you like, um, it's window dressing, you know. That was the price they had to pay. Ron Dennis has been in the gun sights of the FIA, and particularly the FIA President Max Mosley, for a long, long time. Finally, they got him. He's out. That was the price they had to pay. And it's a heavy cost. It really, really is. I still think the World Motorsport Council decision is pretty lame, to put it politely. But, you know, it has come at some cost to McLaren because essentially, as long as, you know, any of us can remember in modern history, you know, Ron Dennis has been McLaren. He's been the driving force. So they're struggling this season, um, even with the dynamic talent of Lewis Hamilton. So we'll see if they're able, able to recover. But they've got to be uh, certainly on their best behaviour for the rest of this season because, as I said, it's a suspended three-race ban any further infractions, even the most minor, and they're out. Absolutely. Uh, look, I think that, uh, it, like you say, it's a very exciting season coming up. Um, I would hope that it would be able to carry on to a following season because you know what, uh, what they say, you can do a good result one year and then not be anywhere the next year. And they go, they'll put it down to, oh, yeah, it was just because you had your curs or you had your this, that, or the other thing sort of worked out. But um, I... And on top of that, as we'd said earlier, uh, prior to you being on the show, isn't it just wonderful that underdogs like Toyota have got on the front row, haven't been able to really convert, but nonetheless have shown that they can move right up right in the moment that they really need to for the Japanese bosses? Uh, I'm in love again. You know, my previously lifelong love affair with Formula One, that you know, the complete fascination, the ultimate in motorsport, which drove me a lot in the early years, and I actually spent time, or as I say these time, these days, did time on the Formula One circuit full time. You know, that enthusiasm had waned significantly in recent years. I was, all, you know, I'm always still interested and excited by it, but not to the degree now. It's completely, even though the results don't show it, but it is very unpredictable, and I think it is absolutely fantastic that McLaren and Ferrari aren't winning. You know, they're iconic teams, particularly Ferrari, but, you know, the, the way they've dominated the sport over the last decade or more just reduces the interest factor in the wider world to, to almost zero. And now you've got, you know, ostensibly little teams like Braun, Grand Prix, you've got Red Bull Racing coming to the fore, and Toyota, after spending billions of dollars, finally getting there. I mean, they're going to win a race. They have to. They were so close. They should have won in Bahrain. They were just, you know, they exercised Ford Performance Racing-like strategic ineptitude, you know, in switching to the prime tyres, the harder tyres, rather than using the soft when everyone else is going the other way. They had the pace, and either Yano Truly, although more likely Timo Glock, could have won that race. They just made a bad call. So they're coming like a freight train. And that'll be great. It'll be great for the sport because Toyota, as I said, have literally spent billions on Formula One over the last several years. You know, we need them to, to get up and win. So suddenly you're getting to the point where further along in the season where more teams develop, you're looking at a dogfight between Braun Grand Prix, Red Bull Racing, Toyota, McLaren and Ferrari will come back. Williams are in there on the cusp. Renault will probably come back gangbusters near the end of the season. I, I just think it's going to be enthralling. 
Uh, um, uh, Flavio had a bit of a dummy spit, uh, uh, absolutely, saying uh, that, that Button couldn't drive a greasy stick up his ass, and, <laughs> um, and in fact uh, took quite a, a fair bit of criticism from everybody. But you know, as, as I said to JP earlier in the show, I mean, we have to applaud Flavio for because we need people who are as flamboyant as him to say things just as directly. Um, do you think then, with uh, the demise? Current demise of the uh, the previous favourites, um, and the the Australian the, uh, um, Vodafone team in V8 supercars being so strong. Do you think we're going to see that? Are people starting going to start to get okay? Ho hum. Oh, Jamie won it again. The V8 at the moment is um, heading in that direction. Although I think this weekend coming at Winton. Um, there's a good chance that the apple cart will be well and truly overturned, but Triple Eight, Team Vodafone, other class act, and, and Jamie is just in the zone. But just getting back, you mentioned Flavio Briatore. I mean, he is the best character among the team owners or the team principals in Formula One and has been now for nearly 20 years. He arrived on the scene. Nobody knew who the hell he was in 1989. Some mysterious figure out of Benetton, in the United States, and I, I met him like, pretty much the first day he ever arrived in Formula One, and he's just been <laughs> fantastic ever since. And he did come out with that great line about Jensen Button, you know, basically described him as slow as a uh, concrete milepost, <laughs> which is the Italian saying. And I thought that was a bit de- disingenuous because he seemed to have forgotten that he did hire Jensen to drive for the then Benetton team earlier this decade, just before they switched to, to Renault. So I think that's a bit harsh, because uh, I and many other people in Formula One actually rate Jensen Button very highly. He's just been, as I think I've said before, in the wrong place at the wrong time completely. But no, Flavio is a, he's actually a man of vision. He, he's, I'll never forget, it's got to be 15 years ago or more, you know, I had a chat with him at the Monaco Grand Prix and talking about, you know, how... Can we improve the promotion and the, the the appeal of Formula One? And he and he basically said, you know, we just need more sex and fewer mechanics, which is his way of saying we need to glam it up more. You know, hot blondes and and uh, cheeky babes on the grid and floating around the place, and less of all this technical stuff. And you know, he was right in 1994, and he's even more right or more correct, I should say, in in 2009. And his outlandish sometimes statements are just the sort of thing that Formula One really needs. The problem with Flavio is that, you know, he's not getting any younger. He's just another one of these Formula One team principals who are 60-plus. Now, in itself, far be it for me to criticise people in mature years. But, you know, these guys have been around forever. Where is the new blood? Hopefully, this cost-cap proposal the FIA wants to push through, which we haven't heard about was also supposed to be um, uh, decided in detail today by the FIA World Motorsport Council, so presumably we'll hear more about it in the coming days. Um, But that's got the potential to bring new blood into Formula One, the likes of uh, Peter Windsor, the um, journalist wannabe um, team principal with the Team USA F1, and there's talk of Peter like. Um, Peter Jackson, who's been running in Formula 3000 and GP2 for many years. And, well, even, I guess, David Richards, you can't really 
term here as a young bloke, but it's almost certain that under this new cost cap system that ProDrive will finally convert their ongoing interest into a team. So I think it's exciting and uh, there are a few other young bloods, if you like, waiting in the wings who, if the FIA says, well, here's a category in Formula One now where you're restricted to spending whatever it may be, 33 million pounds, 30 million euros, however many dollars, you run to that, you'll get new blood into Formula One. But I have to say, getting back to where we started, they'll go a long, long way to match Flavio Briatore in, in the uh, character category because he's just a gem. And the best thing about it is the way he talks. If you've ever heard him talk, he talks in this sort of Italish, this fractured English. Now, he's a educated, cultured man. He can speak English as well as you or I, but he uses it as a device when he talks to you and has all this sort of backwards, upside down, sideways English with the heavy Italian accent. I mean, it's just golden. He's fantastic. I think we need more and more of those kind of characters in, in Formula One, uh, as you said, and I reckon definitely DR uh, coming on board. That, that'll, be, that'll be cool. I just I can't wait to see. And I think, uh, you know, Christian Horner, he's a, he's a young enough kind of guy that's sort of with it and he'll be able to push the... He's as boring as batshit. He might be as boring as batshit. He's a No, sorry. Nice bloke. But, you know, uh, talking to him is like being beaten to death with a feather. Look, mate, hopefully, let's say hopefully we can whack him over the head then with a cricket bat if he was to come down under and and, and get him to be a bit more interesting. In fact, yeah. we'd be better off Good. having uh, a contradiction to the whole red running the top. Would you not think Gerhard running with him? I was too busy talking. I didn't hear what you said. I said I thought it would be a better idea if we had Gerhard running the deal instead of Christian Horner. But anyway, he's, he... oh yeah, no, Gerhard's another one of the all-time good time guys. He was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. one of the last of the classic playboy and race. Eddie Irvine. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say Gerhard Berg and Eddie Irvine. They. They knew how to have a good time. Okay, but, uh, I'm, being a bit, I'm being harsh about Christian Horner, but he is not an exciting guy. Maybe Accomplished, not. Maybe done not, a good. But he is young yeah. enough to, to move into that sphere, and, and he's not. Uh... Anyway, well, let's just see what happens. Mate, uh, quick analysis: what the fuck went up? What fuck? What happened with uh, uh, Weber? What's fucking going on there? Well, nothing's going on. I mean, he's up against you know, a formidable teammate at last that, who he can't dominate, so... No, rather, what is qualifying performance? I, I didn't see the race. So uh, what... what, what oh, well, he, 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 the he hot lap. No, his hot lap got compromised by Adrian Sutil in the, in, the fast, in the fast India... Sorry, the Force India. And, he, yeah, as he said, he got screwed. So we all know Mark Webber. If there's bad luck going, you know, he finds it. So... His drive, um, you know, through the field um, to where we eventually finished um, was a good effort. And uh, as we saw in Malaysia, you know, he was on Vettel's tail and uh, he did a good job. That's why I say, you know, he's going to steal a win. But it will be steal because, sorry, the fact of the matter is that Sebastian Vettel is, you know, the new ace and he's just, you know, hot to trot. 
So, but Weber's got to do it. But he just, he just. I mean, I've never seen such an unlucky driver. And I don't know what it is. Is he just unlucky? Did he drive a car under a ladder one day? Did he run over a black cat? I don't know. But no, they say he didn't clean him. Well, I know. Whatever came out of Queanbeyan besides and, him. And now, folks, it's time for that tricky, quick quiz for those who know everything about motorsport. Well, you'll remember 10 years ago, going back. Where did this Mark come from? Webber, Where did this come from? There was Mark Webber driving yeah. a CLK prototype for Mercedes-Benz. Not only did uh-huh. it backflip once, but twice. Yes. Who was his teammate that also flipped and had ended up with a life intact in DTM? Mm-hmm. Peter Dumbrell. Wrong. Peter Dumbreck. Oh, Dumbreck. Sorry. Oh, I love it when I get Dumbrell. you like I'm thinking of Paul Dumbrell, aren't I? <laughs> It was dumb, someone. <laughs> yes, I'm dumb. Ah, you caught me out. Oh, it's all good. Viewers, I'm reading this. next week. I'm reading the script. Him out. The script says, folks will make an intentional... No, no, sorry. Let's move away from Formula One for a minute for an analysation of one particular driver at the Hamilton race that I think needs to be under a little bit of scrutiny and has some, some good luck and some bad luck, and not quite know how to work what's going on there, James Courtney. Ah, yes, James Courtney. Potentially the most talented driver in the V8 field by far, and I I think maybe I know that's the problem. I've known James since he was a kid running in Formula Ford over in the UK. I just think James has... Far too much talent for his own good. We saw in Adelaide, it was just a classic case of him overdriving, relying on his sheer car control, his sheer skill, and it it bit him. It bit him bad. And um, can you clarify that? To be fair, he did recover. Could you clarify that for the for the viewers? Like, can you? People might need to understand a little bit more about what you're actually saying there. His sheer quality of expertise overdrove the car. Can, can you dumb that down for people? Okay. He is just such a good driver. He's just got such a good feel for a car through the seat of his pants that often he relies on that rather than the disciplines that are involved in being a top racing driver now, particularly, odd to say, but particularly in V8 supercars, which is such a competitive and close category that you can't just rely on being, you know, a superstar driver and nothing else. You know, otherwise Craig Lowndes would win every race. He's another one who tends to to rely sheerly on his skill and just doesn't put the discipline that that's everything outside the car. It's working with your engineers. It's it's working away to to really fine tune the car to get the balance right so that the car turns and grips and accelerates and so that you're actually making the car work for you. It's the, the Alain, Alain Prost theory of driving. You know, don't fight with the car. 
don't use your skill to overwhelm the car, but make the car work for you. So, you know, aficionados of Formula One would always remember that Prost, you know, he looked as slow as a wet week. You watched him out on the track. He was just so serene. Um, Jensen Button's a bit that way too, but he looked so serene. He looked slow. In fact, he was very fast. Craig Lowndes is very much like that, particularly in his early days. And that's what I mean about James. He's got so much talent that it's almost too much. He just needs to focus and be a lot more disciplined, work with his engineers and, you know, stop trying to get on top of the car, work with it. Because he's got a good car. That uh, Jim Beam Racing DJR run Falcon is an FG Falcon, you know, built by Triple Eight. It's a good car with a DJR engine, which they've always had good engines. He has every bit of equipment and the support to win. He's just got to settle down. Uh, does that mean to say, uh, in, in simplistic terms, that he doesn't know when to go slow, but he only knows when to go fast? Because I understand that a really good driver, the best of drivers, know when to go slow. Um, that's a good point. I think there's probably an element of truth in that. Um, I think it's also James is under a lot of pressure, whether he admits it or not, to perform this year. The expectations have been high since he joined V8 Supercars. Back in 2006, he took over. He replaced Marcus Ambrose at Stone Brothers Racing, and the feeling was there. He'd just take off like a rocket because, I tell you, the guy is Formula One material. You know, he came within a blink of making Formula One, and if he hadn't been saddled with the test driver role with Jaguar Formula One and twice the car nearly tried to kill him and, in fact, left him with a severe concussion that cost him the British Formula 3 championship. Had it not been for that, he would have been in Formula 1. I mean, he's that good. A lot of people think I'm just, you know, in love with James Courtney. Well, I'm impressed with his ability, but I've known him for, you know, well over a decade and I've seen, seen him do extraordinary things. But I do have doubts about... You know, his focus and his discipline, and he needs to be brought back in line every so often. Like, just over a year ago, I mean, his manager, Alan Gower, who's also the boss of the British Touring Car Championship, had to read the riot act to him because he was just completely feral because he was so frustrated by how bad the SBR Falcons had become that he was just bouncing off people left, right and centre. And Alan Gower read the riot act to him at the Australian Grand Prix last year, um, after James was driving like he was in a pinball machine and you saw the noticeable difference for the rest of the season he was golden his finishing record was extraordinary 30, finished 34 races out of 38 or something ridiculous like that he can do it but you know he's a young bloke he's dynamic and needs direction and uh, it, it sounds pretentious but you know I, I sometimes suspect that he's just his sheer ability is just out of the league of V8 supercars and those and those V8 supercar vehicles, which are pretty cumbersome things to drive. Okay, let's move on to uh, just a couple of other characters in the category in a completely diverse sort of sense, and we'll just keep it pretty brief. Um, uh, I, you know, and, and no disrespect to anybody at all. Uh, we're just going uh, to the other end of the scale. The person I probably think who gets the most amount of negativity because there's always there's someone at the bottom end of, end of the scale, and that's uh, Michael Patrizzi. Now, your thoughts Deservedly on him? Deservedly so. Sorry? Deservedly so. 
but 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 you know, there's always someone at the bottom. Okay, way so way out of his league. Okay, right. So Dean Fiore. Don't know enough about him. It's uh, too early. He's about, he's about to take over um, the uh, TKR license and and run his own team. So we'll see what he's made of. He'll be running a Paul Morris prepared um, via Commodore. So that'll sort him out. No shortage of money there. And remember, a lot of money, money coming out of WA. And no, no shortage of money coming from Patrizzi as well, because uh, it was actually part of the, the, the Team Australia uh, uh, light team over in America with uh, with uh, Uncle Paulie uh, doing some of the PR there when uh, that was that was going on. And then we'll go to the middle ground. Um, okay. Sorry, John. Do you want? Do we? I mean, I'm hammering Patrizzi, but I'm not the only one. I mean, no, no, no I know. The whole brigade grid. Take the piss out of him. They call him the stick. Yeah. And they're very unkind to him. He's, you know, he, he's he's not up to it at the moment. Paul Crookshank seems to think that he'll develop, and I hope he does, because he's actually a pretty decent young bloke. But so far, sorry, out of his depth. Okay, so perhaps he should spend a year in uh, Fujitsu. Uh, he needs to up his game, John. Okay, yeah, let's move to another brand name that is well known and has been very much uh, a winner. But for some reason, just race after race, is it an energy level or something going wrong in his personal life? Greg Murphy, no results. Greg Murphy, he's the Jensen Button of V8 Supercar Racing. Poor choices, wrong team at the wrong time. He should never have left. Came up racing as it was then, just on the verge of, of becoming um, the HSV dealer team um, when John Kelly and the Kelly boys, uh, the Kelly family took control. He went for the big money at Super Cheap Auto Racing, which was the PWR team, Keys Wheels Operation, um, back a few years, and it's just never got any better. And I'm sorry, Tasman Motorsport, they don't get it. They're just not in that big league of teams who will win. What's the what's the difference here, folks? Is it is it is there is the are the cars not built the same, or uh, as are the people just not in tune to be able to understand the data uh, that the engineer or that the, the drivers trying to provide them? They don't have the resources. I mean, what's 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 happening? Why can't these great drivers that have produced brilliant results before create? a team around them to then win races? All of the above. Everything you said has something to do with it. Sprint gas racing don't have the sheer resources you need now. It's you know it's not a coincidence that the teams, give or take, who are dominating V8 supercar racing recently and now are Team Vodafone, Triple Eight, Holden Racing Team, and Ford Performance Racing. They are the teams with the best resources, the best people, the most money, and the, and you know, and they are give or take one weekend to another, although not the moment it's Triple Eight all the way. There are the teams that are dominating. Now others like Jim Beam Racing, Dick Johnson Racing as we like, you know, as it's more formally known, and Gary Rogers Motorsport will stick their nose in every so often and pull off a surprise result. But over the long haul of the championship, you look at those big three teams. Was the Gary Rogers results 
or performance in, um, in New Zealand, just a one-off. It appears they are starting to climb the ladder quite well again. Yeah, but they have because been for the last, appear to be, have been the last three years. I think Gary's quite a good uh, a mentor. Um, he has a reputation as a good talent spotter, although he did he did sack Jamie Wincup, so go figure. Um, no, he runs a good, tight-knit little operation that will pop its head up every so often, and they've made hay while the sun has shone so far in this series, while the um, Walkinshaw Racing juggernaut at Clayton gets its act together, and they need to get their act together because they really screwed up in Hamilton. Tactically, they were inept, um, almost FPR-like. Um Gary Rogers Motorsport will do well and will pop up and grab results, but never on a consistent basis. They just don't have the resources, and it's all about resources, rightly or wrongly. You know, you've got to have the big guns. Right. I think you said it all tonight. There's nothing left to be said other than what happens this weekend in Winton. And uh, thank you for uh, being involved in Radio Hotlap, episode 109 that wacky, zany podcast that now involves you folks on a regular basis. And thank you for being involved. Uh, um, and talked about barbecues. Did you do any barbecuing on the weekend before we go? Uh, no, I wasn't barbecuing on the any weekend. Any interesting restaurants or meals you might have had you'd like to tell us about? I had, I had a, I, not that I'd like to tell you about, no, but I had a very pleasant weekend, a, a wonderful weekend. In but, fact. But, but did you have anything nice to eat? Um, yes, I, I did, but this is a family show, so we won't get into that. <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> Put my foot in it there, didn't I? Anyway, for those of you who can I think read I the that. subtext, I think I know you'll be dawdling. Anyway, if you're lucky, John, you'll have my company in Adelaide at the World Headquarters, back in the World Headquarters next late next week. It's a big chance. I'd love to see you here next week with JP. And uh, on the final question, was it Asian food? <laughs> there was an Asian component, yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We're starting to sound like the uh, 7v8 commentary team with all the in-jokes, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, I... I do you want me to call you a lunatic just to make you feel like Crumpire? <laughs> yes. It's not Crumpire, it's Cromley. Oh, Crom- the oh, only Crom- person Crom- in the Crom- world. What, what do we Crom- do that? With the ers and the olos or something, you know? I'll go, I'll be, uh, I'll, so I'll, what are you, you're, you're hardo? No, no, no. So I'll, I'll give you the STR, the Fogsters, and, you can be, <laughs> and, and JP can be the JP Arama. The, uh, the fogs, the, the, the stirs and the aromas. <laughs> uh, looking good. All right, mate, good to chat. Asian next week. Take care. <laughs> Don't go away. I'll be talking to you after we cut off here on our little special because I need to get your number to send you the gift for the evening. Good night, viewers. On the red phone, yes. Do you want to take the ownership of the show again? Come on, do you? Do you? Do you? Do you, do you, do you want to own the show? I do. Can I? Quick, say it. Quick. You've just been listening to, or you've just missed, Radio Hot Lab. Fogs. Hot Fogs. Oh, and by the way, viewers, 
um, we'll not only be enjoying time overseas without you, um, we'll be all together at uh, Indy 500 uh, with International Pauly, uh, part of the Patron vodka team with Scott Sharp going ng, ng, ng for days. But uh, we'll be having a few drinks somewhere else and listen to the noise in the background following a lovely week or more, in fact, at Le Mans. And, uh, uh, folks, you're invited, if you like, uh, I should say, to uh, join me and my friends in Denmark directly after to tour the Aquila Racing Car Factory, a small, unique manufacturer of Group C replica racing cars with four-litre BMW V8 engines in it, which I've sent you the photos of, and I think you'll want to go with these, at a place called Padbork Park. I think so. It's got good time written all over it. No, we'll have a, Will you a good time. Will you uh, the Indy 500, and then at uh, at Le Mans, we have much to look forward to. Very light red wine to be drinking at the earliest part of the day. Good night, viewers. So. Good night, viewers. <laughs>